Play like a big guard. Welcome to the Coach Thyself Podcast. If this is the first time you're tuning in, CT is a podcast created to bridge the wisdom from the sports to the broader game of life. Hosted by me, Coach Demo, and my guy, Max Lieberman. On this episode, we're joined by Big Guard, all the way from St. Lou. Welcome to the show. Man, glad to be here. Glad to be here. I feel like the first thing we have to talk about, right, is uh, what does it mean to, to be a big guard? And what does it mean to play like a big guard? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. I mean, necessarily big guard is a, a lifestyle. So, you know, we plan to expand way beyond basketball. So when I think of like somebody who is a big guard in life, I think of somebody who overcome adversity, who think bigger picture of their situation. It could be a basketball player who know that in order to play basketball, you gotta, you know, get good grades. So it's somebody who strive in a classroom, thinking of a, a bigger picture in order for them to get on the court as well as, as a bigger purpose, you know, just, just really being more than an athlete. Um, and, and it's a lifestyle for everybody in life. You don't have to play basketball to be a big guard. You just gotta do big things, uh, think big. And, you know, I like to say, um, protect what's big. And I think what's big is your future. Um, not only your future, but, you know, your legacy and many other things that you like to put in that category of being big. But on a basketball court, you know, a big guard, as we know, you know, some guys think it, it's a literal term. You know, thinking of a 6'4", bigger player who can handle the ball. You know, we'll say, oh, Jason Tatum's a big guard. We might even say LeBron James is a big guard. But to me, being a smaller guard, um, I think it's nothing better than going to the hole and getting the and one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and screaming, and at that moment of you getting that and one and screaming, you feel like the, the the biggest motherfucker on the court. Like you feel like the biggest person on the court. And I think that mentality has to carry, you know, throughout your uh, your playing career, especially being a smaller guard. So with big guard, I just wanted to promote players to kind of pretty much eliminate the narrative of being small and just a mindset of playing big and 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 feeling like the biggest person. Because I think when you are the smallest. I think you just can't go into the game saying like, hey, I'm a small guard. These are my limits. But you'll limit yourself because the game isn't really shaped for you. You know, we we go off a narrative of uh, prospects. So we look at size. We look at length. We look at all these different, these different dimensions of things. But I think for the main part, it's like, you know, who got the biggest heart? I think the smaller guys usually have the biggest heart on the floor because you can't play this game uh, without it. And you got to have the biggest mind. You got to have a the highest IQ, you know, these are usually the smartest players. So I, I just think that's that's my whole thing with being a big guard on the court is pretty much, you know, being a small guy that overcome all the obstacles of size. And, you know, you eventually can label yourself as a big guard, but it's body language, it's being coachable, it's, it's everything that comes with the game. And I just think the smaller you are, the harder your path going to be, the better you have to be in order to be recognized. So I think those are the, the true big guards of the game. You know, it's the reason why AI get his praise and we love the Stephs, we love the Kyries, um, because those normal size guys who we see perform at a high level. So yeah, so, you know, big guard on the court, it's pretty much, you know, my definition. It's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. Mm. Amen. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because that, that just gotta be your mentality. Like you gotta be a big guard. You know, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I like to represent. I like to represent the big fight dogs, 
the dog with the with the big fight in him. Yeah, man. Why is that so important to you? Like, why has that become such an integral part of your mission? Uh, just because growing up, you know, my my family even always told me like, oh, maybe you're too small to be playing basketball because, of course, I came up was born in '94, so I came up in the Jordan era. You know, so a six-six guard was like your ideal basketball player. Um, reality was, I was able to see Allen Iverson play in 2001 on his way to the finals and um, take down the whole Eastern Conference. Vince Carter, Ray Allen. Um, then he ended up playing Kobe and Shaq, and it just felt like a David and Goliath story. And I think that's a great biblical text that just pretty much puts size into perspective. So. My whole life, I felt like that's something I've, I've been able to relate to with playing sports and playing basketball. So it will be nothing left for me to do with the game of basketball if I didn't cater to guys who was kind of like myself, because I feel like everybody connects at the core struggle. And I think all small guards share the same struggle, share the same, not even just the same struggle, but like the same knock. You know, you're going to always hear it when you're small. You're never going to hear it when you when you're big. You might hear that you got to add skills. You might get shown more love being bigger and you're not necessarily good, you know? So I just think as a small guard, and even when I started it, everybody I was able to connect with when I, when I uh, chose my niche is just being pure, you know, from guys who played in the NBA to the top high school guys. They're like, oh, this is for small guards? That's dope. You know, I'm, I'm rocking with it. Because the, the game has labeled us off, especially the NBA. It's, it's like it's no use. You know, like we can't put... 12 small guards all across the NBA. And, hey, in second quarter, when them second subs come in, yo, put the small guys in and go at it. So there's ways around it. But I just think the game can't see it. You know, a 10-foot rim, they think you need a 10-foot player. Have you met some of the top smaller guards in the league, Isaiah Thomas's, Jameer Nelson's, you know, the AIs? When, you ha when you've met them, what what some of the biggest struggles they went through and how did they get through that adversity? What did they tell you? I recently met Allen Iverson at the Iverson Classic, and it was crazy. Uh, when I pulled up, Iverson, my favorite player. That's the only reason I play basketball. I mean, I feel like AI hey, pretty much birthed me, you know, for my attitude, you know, and how I approached it. So I actually put up to the Iverson Classic, and I seen a uh, a Denali pull up, and it was like three other cars, and I just knew AI was in the car. Uh, so <laughs> the whole team get out the car, and I see his uh, manager, Gary. He got a manager named Gary Long Time. So if you're an AI fan, you know Gary. So A and so everybody get out the car. I'm like, man, AI has to be somewhere. And you know AI jewelried out. So when he pop out the car, you know, you seen the bus down Cuban. I'm like, yo, that's AI. So I have to walk slowly to the door, like I'm I'm meeting him there. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not like I'm waiting for him, you know. <laughs> so I waited, I let him get like a half step, but I started trying to the door. And then uh when I finally got near him. I kind of fumbled up and went in, and then um, the the MC for the event was walking with somebody ahead of me. He's like, "Hey, you you, you want to meet Chuck?" Cause you know they call AI Chuck. He asked that to the dude who was with him. The dude was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Yo, me too." And I turned around and followed him. So I was like in the crowd with him. So as he introduced AI, I came in and got my dap on. Yeah. I told him, you know, I pretty much built a, a brand around him. You know, really uh, labeling the little dudes of basketball because AI like to call us the little dudes. So he was like, yo, that's love. That's that's love. I'm glad you're here. And, you know, it was, it was brief. But, you know, hey, I probably get a lot of love a lot. And he just, you know, a real dude. So I don't think he's with the fanboy talk. So if you ever see AI in person, man, 
give him a dap, keep it simple. If you ain't really brought in by the crowd, I think he he heard my spiel before. So, you know, I'm just looking for ways to add value to the Iverson Classic and pretty much, you know, one day run a camp with AI. You know, that's that's the goal. I said once I meet AI, I'm done with it. Like, I'm all right. Like, I, I, I feel. But now I want to add value to the Classic, me being able to be a part of it this year. I want to add value next year. So there's going to be some big things with Big Guard and the Iverson Classic next year for sure. Who are some of the top guards in the country right now in high school that you label as the best big guards in high school basketball? Who's your top three? Mm, my top three in high school right now. You can go five. You can go five. I know it's tough. There's a lot of it's major talent out there. Okay, we talking about guys in high school or guys who just took off High college? school right now. So not even the guys who are at college right now? No, let's go with high school first. Let me give me three high school, three college. Okay, in high school right now, um... My favorite big guards in high school right now. Ooh, I just had a strong class that just left who I pretty much started with. Let me start with those guys. College right now, I got some freshmen. Uh, I like Deshaun Ruffin, Kennedy Chandler. Deshaun Ruffin at Ole Miss, Kennedy Chandler at Tennessee. And my third, hmm, I think Wayne McKinney had the most mature. He's still in high school right now. He has enough for San Diego yet, but he'll be an incoming freshman. Um, I think Wayne McKinney was probably one of the most mature when I mean mental game approach uh, teammates. Because you got to think about it, a lot of these top ranked guys, uh, they're pretty Hollywood in a way, you know, today's game with all the media. So uh, I say Wayne McKinney as my top three. They shine, Kennedy, and Wayne. He just won a championship, didn't he? Yeah, San Diego. And they, they playing the regionals today, so, I believe. So for the other smaller guards that are listening, what is it about these guards that you just mentioned? What, what character traits on and off the floor? What lifestyle? What specific skills? What, what made you mention them for all the kids and all the future prospects listening, what they can learn from? Uh, I think the, the reason why I listed those, uh, the two is just pretty much known guys. You know, that's the number one point guard nation and number six. I think when I first seen Deshaun Ruffin, uh, the five for nine guard who's at Ole Miss, he was just electric. Like he had all the ability of a, that a small guard is supposed to have in order to make it to the highest level. You know, just the instinct of finishing around the rim, uh, being tough. You know, he's a Mississippi kid. Um, I think on the court really poisoned me a lot with him. I, I kind of got to know him off the court, but you know, we all got growing pains, and he he is only eighteen, so I can't judge him too hard. But Kennedy Chandler, I think Kennedy Chandler had a great body of work. Uh, just from his circle, his parents, his dad, who kind of shaped his story. He was a, always a clean-cut guy all the way throughout. Uh, very approachable, very approachable, quick kid, quiet uh, leader on the court, uh, pure point guard. He played the position at his best. And I just think off court, you know, even on social media, you know, i never seen any red flags. His whole path is pretty blueprinted out. And uh, the last guy, Wayne McKinney, uh, I just think that's a, a guy that listens. You know, what what I try to do as somebody who advocates for these guards is I try to give them advice. You know, these these guys always could use pointers. You know, they're, they're young. So I think Wayne McKinney was a kid that was that listened, that like locked in and was like, all right, yo, I, I hear you. You know, he I think he actually watched a big guard video I made for him and was like, yo, championship game, I got you. You know, came out in the championship and shot more mid-ranges, took some floaters. So I just think he's a, a real coachable kid. I think his teammates love him. I think he's a team first guy. And just when I interviewed him and him speaking, 
it was always about team, never about I. So that's what stood out mm-hmm. with me the most. So I think he's the most mature from that pack that I named. And he and he's not the highly ranked, but you know, he's a division one point guard. Yeah, there's no doubt that you gotta have game, but I always believe believe that the major character trait is you gotta be coachable. You gotta be able to receive and apply or it ain't gonna work out because your cap your your growth will cap out. Yeah, because nine out of ten times is probably already capped at their age, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't expect no uh, Anthony Davis growth spurt. Right. So, sure. And we're, we're talking about uh, coachability. I want to bring in uh, a reference from one of the, in my opinion, one of the basketball uh, films on the Mount Rushmore of basketball films, and that's Coach Carter. Ooh. And we got that guy, Timo Cruz, right? Ooh. You know, You know what I'm saying? He comes in the gym. Uh being a little disrespectful, Coach Carter ain't having it. Um, you know, he sets the tone, right? Down the line, Timo Cruz opens up to becoming a coachable player. At first, he was locked out of it, right? But eventually, he opens up to being coachable. And then he comes out with this big speech at the end. And he, he talks about, like, your playing small does not serve the world. And I think that this is really interesting as we talk about it for this conversation, because his playing small was not being coachable. When he realized, like, I can have an impact and be big, I can become coachable and we can do better as a, as a team. And I just think that, like, that to me represents, it seems like, the mentality of the big guard. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I haven't even, not saying I haven't seen a guy with a full body of work that I, I recommend. I mean, that I uh, want to display as a big guard. Like, I, I love it. The question Demo asks, but when I come out with how I'm ranking and viewing these guys, I hope to find people that fit all their criteria. Because some guys might have the ability and the size, and I might just highlight them because of their ability. Um, but I think, you know, the main goal, like purpose, purposeful, is to find somebody who just got the full body of work and be able to show guards that so they can look at the blueprint of like, all right, if I'm going to be a big guard, like this is how I got to carry myself. You know, I got to be approachable. I got to keep my social media clean. You know, I got to, I'm not telling you what to post and what not to post, but we know the influence you have as an athlete. So you, you just got to know that. So that's why I said it's, it's, it's bigger than the size factor. It's just who I personally like to highlight. I think for the main uh, objective of it, though, it's like actually thinking big picture. Carry yourself as if you was more than an athlete at all times. Because a guard is, at the end of the day, a guard is going to be running the show. You know, you're going to be a primary, whether you're the one or the two, the first or second primary. If you can't lead a team when the ball's in your hands, how are you going to control the tempo of the game? Exactly. And what I really loved there that you kind of mentioned uh, was that it's beyond basketball, right? It's, uh, you know, we as we as we kind of intro, Coach Thyself is a, a podcast that bridges the wisdom of sports to the broader game of life. Well, I think Big Guard is doing that in in a very uh, similar way, where you're you're taking this archetype of a small guard who plays big in game, but you're bringing that mentality to the broader world, right? Like we we have these affirmations that we used to post on our social media. One was I shape my reality, mm-hmm. and it wasn't I create my reality because if I'm you know I'm six foot, I can't obviously say I'm six, seven, right? That doesn't work. But, but I can choose how to respond as a six foot, six, you know, foot individual, what I can do. 
and, you know, get rid of self-limiting beliefs and believe in my ability and work hard um, and approach those things in that way. And so I think that that, when you look at it from that mindset perspective, it's kind of not allowing things that you can't change to hold you back. Hold you back, facts. For sure. Uh, I definitely think you hit, it, you hit it right there. And you, you said it uh, on a different interview when you're talking about Allen Iverson, Isaiah Thomas, and Nate Robinson. You said, like, you know, those other guys referencing those three, they make normal sized players believe in themselves. For sure. I think it's always more inspiring to see a guy that size than to watch LeBron dominate. And I love I love LeBron. But how many LeBrons we been? It's a lot of it's a lot of I mean the average size, the level of the average size of a person. So it's just like don't be discouraged and be told that the game for you. I know a lot of friends, a lot of people gave up on the dream because they were told they were too small. So I was hearing I was hearing it from my own family, you know, so like that that could limit you. And I hear other people's family who who Frank players, family members ask me, hey, Big Go, are you, you might be a little too small to, 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 to you know, make money from it or make a living out of it. And that's that's limiting the child. That's limiting his thought process. I think it got to be a, a limited faith, man, whatever you do. So it's just kind of tearing down the barriers. People are always blind to your vision. That's your vision. It's your eyes. They're always blind to your vision. Remember that. Demo, was size ever something that like you had to confront? Was that ever something that people brought up to you? It wasn't really brought up as much, but I mean, it was brought up. It was like, you already knew it. I was the shortest player on my college team. The only freshman, six foot on a, like, give me six foot, you know, with my bronze on. You know what I'm saying? I was the shortest guy on my college team. But I thank God my pops told me from the jump. You need a floater, you need a runner, you need that high release, you know, change your speeds. So, but even knowing those things, it was still difficult being the shortest guy, you know? So it, it's tough, it was tough. And a lot of obstacles I had to go through was having a guard, bigger guards. For me, it wasn't so much the offensive end. I was crafty, I was, I was an elite passer, I can knock down open shots, but the defensive end, on ball against other point guards was fine, but when you have to switch in college, jump on a wing, play a bigger forward and you're getting exposed, then it's like, who's gonna teach me the, how to have the ability to guard a bigger guard as a smaller guard? It's not just build your body, it's also a technique that is not being taught nowadays. You know, you're being taught skills, you're being taught this, but there's a lot of droids training bots. That makes sense. There's a lot of droids training bots you know, these cookie cutter things they learn through their time from their foundation or things they're just seeing and learning. But if you don't understand the game on a deeper level, you can't just go on YouTube and online and find these drills and learn and copy another trainer and then put them out there. You have to actually tap into that individual and tailor and customize curriculum for that specific individual and each individual player because all these athletes are different. You know what I mean? Each small guard is different. Yeah, let's say I got a pack of five small guards. Each one has different abilities and different gifts that you have to cultivate in order to maximize your talents on the floor. Amen. I like what you said about about defense. You have to like build out your your full game. And uh, guards tend to be some of the fastest players on the on the court. And it's not like. 
oftentimes it seems that it's not the offensive prowess that seems to be limiting guys, but it's that defensive ability. Not necessarily a small guy, but if we look at um, Bull Bull of the Denver Nuggets, the dude's like, what, 7'2", but he's not getting any playtime because he's a horrendous um, defensive matchup. You know, he can't guard big men because he's too small and he can't guard guards because he's too, uh, you know, he's not, he's a little bit slower than them. So that defensive element, I think like it, it responds and uh, kind of touches on approaching the game from lots of different angles. And I feel like because it's not as flashy, it's glossed over. But look at this, look at this. Why do you think here, here's what's more impressive about Allen Iverson about a Stephon Marbury, about a, you know, an Isaiah Thomas, like even a Steve Nash. Yeah. These are small guards, and this is the league now, y'all. We're talking about the NBA, the best of the best in the world. How are these – it's not even about the offense. How are these guys guarding? How are they able to stay on the floor? If you really look, the playoffs are about matchups, right? Some small guards have great offensive bags. But they can't stay on the floor because they're defensive mismatches. How was Steve Nash able to stay on the floor? It was his level of IQ. It was the techniques and the things he was taught, mm. how to study the game and find ways to get through the cracks and the guard switches and to recover. And you know what I mean? Be pesky and lock down the half court. It was like, it was a mental game. You know what I'm saying? Iverson, well, how much Iverson weigh? About buck sixty-five. How is he guarding? He figured out a way to be pesky, pop ball out, push him out their comfort zone, get him off that block. Um, they found ways within these systems to make it work. So that's what's even more impressive to me that they were to stay on the floor and not be a defensive liability. When you put trees around a guy too, it's uh true. This is decent. But there's some uh, point guards right now with bags and they put trees around that can't stay on the floor. I'm not gonna name no <laughs> names. Okay, okay. <laughs> How tall is Fred Van, uh, Fred Van Vliet? He's nice. I heard he was about 5'10". He's nice. He he came in, was he a walk-on from the G League or something? Oh, I think they were, I don't want to. He might have been a late rounder. No, no they, they said that he was going to the G League. They, they, did he choose to go to the G League? I think he made it out of summer he league, maybe and went in. I can't remember, but he's the, he made it. He got he. he he got a nice story of like betting on himself. He was a defensive knight. Like he crushed it on the defensive end. Let me tell you who, why. Let me tell you why. This is why. Bob Huggins, West Virginia. Talk to me. West Virginia had some of the same guys as Wichita, um, Wichita State. What college did he go to? Wichita State. Exactly. Bob Huggins, he always has the best defensive staff. You had some of the similar guys in Wichita State. They teach that defense. They teach that defense. They figured it out. He get over all ball screens by any means. He got that heart, that grit that you can't teach because – so here's two ways you can go about being a smaller guard, just like in life. I can either roll with the card, the deck of cards that I was given, you know what I mean, dig deep inside, have a chip on my shoulder and work for this extra hard, I can be like, dang, that's the that's the cards I dealt. Man, it's a bad hand. And you don't end up making it because you didn't push through adversity. You already let those thoughts manifest in your mind. Right? Some of these guys we're talking about right now, they they went through adversity. They stuck through it, and that's why they're, they're receiving the fruits of the labor. Just like yourself, big guard. You know what I'm saying? 
You didn't let that stop you. They was blind to your vision. You said, nah, man, I got a vision for this. No matter what you say, because it's coming from within. And I want to I wanna take this a step further, too, because we talked about um, uh, like stories. Players having stories. Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet having a great story. You know, Coach Demo, you just brought up going through adversity. How in, in playing with a chip chip on your shoulder, that's often related to the story of your life. Like, why do people play with a chip on their shoulder? Because they see within them that they have a story and they're playing with that because, hey, I've been bet against, so I'm going to write that wrong. What role does a narrative or kind of like crafting your own story play in cultivating a, a strong mindset on the floor maybe not even just in basketball, but, but in life too. Like how, how important is that for players to understand their personal stories? Thank guys. I think first off, um, just knowing everybody got their own unique story, but you can learn from everyone's story, but it's just, it's just about writing like what's yours. And I think growing up, you know, how I grew up, you know, and just pretty much, I'm not going to say I grew up in poverty, I'm not going to sit up and say that, but I think growing up in, in tough situations where you, you see death around you young and you, and you witness and you feel it, uh, you start to look at life as if if I'm going to have each and every day to do what I want to do or play basketball, or play football, like I'm going to write my story while I can. And I just think autobiographies for sure inspire me about just having that type of mindset towards it because I think everybody should want to write their own story because it's going to influence and inspire somebody's next story. So I just think uh, it's a, it's, it, it plays a major factor in shaping it, but just knowing that your story is your story to inspire the next is how you pretty much got to look at it. And the next person don't even got to be the next person to make the big. It could be the people who you impact and who you encounter and meet. You know, so just, you know, living your life, knowing and staying true to your, yourself and your story, you know, could definitely help shape others. So it's bigger than you, always. It's always bigger than your story. And I think that helps, to other people identify their gifts. You know, it's like, one, for me growing up in Hawaii, anybody makes it out for basketball. They make it out, maybe very, very small percentage. They make it out for football, volleyball, things that have nothing to do with the ball other than football and volleyball. So... But in college, there was a guy named Donnell Dobbins. He was a transfer from UTEP from Baltimore, Baltimore Maryland. He's 5'11", averaging 30 for us. Was the real deal dog. And if you know Baltimore, Maryland, ball, they got ballers over there. Balls. And I was like, looking at this dude, I'm like, what is it? And I think it's not about being a small guard, not about being a big. It's if I can identify my gifts early and my why, no matter who I am, I have that why and that discipline, that resilience to make it out. Right. Knowing that in the back of my mind, like, man, I got to get out of here being from Hawaii. Nobody's making it out because they're so complacent. Right. But when I saw this, a guy coming from nothing, I immediately had gratitude. You know, I saw the way he worked because he wanted it so bad. And it helped me identify the gifts within thyself. And everybody has those different gifts. So sometimes when we get locked into all oh, we're small and all oh, we're this and the controversy and what people are saying, we lose sight of these gifts we actually have and how special we all are. Because we're all special in some way. But when you find that and you attach that why onto that, you become unstoppable. You become a killer. The way the way I look at this, because it, it's exactly what you're saying. 
and the way I look at this is like when we talk about our story and that narrative that we play in our head, you can either be the hero, you can be the villain, or you can be the side character. It's all about how you write your own script. Or the victim. Or, or the yeah, victim. Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's just about uh, writing your own story. So, with Big Guard, man, I'm, I'm hoping that this could be Spider-Man, Superman, you know. I'm hoping that the story and, you know, the character, you know, I, I hope it transforms. I hope four years, another person come along who could go under the umbrella and, and say that they're Big Guard, you know what I'm saying? So, I, I think all those narratives, Marvel and all, all the best sitcoms that we saw growing up man all those superheroes uh it always showed that you can become who you want to become you know it, it's always an alter ego to everything you do in life and i think we've seen that with peter parker and, and spider-man so i think everybody gotta eventually get to that point where you're living in your imagination and you you gotta become a superhero to your certain niche of people who you are to inspire and influence just to live purposefully you know, like Nip said, find your purpose or you're wasting air. I just think it, it gets to that point. Man, wrapping up, I just, I just, the last major question I got, you know, we have a lot of listeners tapping in. What would be the biggest advice you give to small guards around the world to continue to fight and not quit and pursue their dream? The biggest advice I give to smaller guards all around the world is for sure, Follow Big Guard, cause <laughs> we're going, yeah, we're we're going international. Um, but always listen to that voice inside of you. I don't think don't become a, a soundboard to the world. Like, don't listen to the outside noise. Love the game for what it is, not not for what it can do for you. You know, love love it for what it is. And, and basketball is a vehicle. It's a vehicle that can take you places, uh, help you meet people, learn discipline, learn teamwork, you know, get all what you can from the game and enjoy it while you play it. Don't get caught up in, I got to make it to the NBA. I got to play pro because a lot of those reasons and why's, you know, some people have it because they need to feed their family. They want to get their family out of poverty. But most people have that dream because they want to prove others wrong. They want to do it for somebody other than themselves. And I think the, the biggest thing you could get from that orange ball is life lessons. So know it's an instrument, know it's a vehicle, and you drive it till the wheels fall off. Don't take the don't take the game personal. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what I can tell you. Don't take it personal because I didn't see guys average 30 points per game in college. Friends of mine at the Division One level ball out. No draft call, no NBA invite. You know they're still playing, but the main thing was. Um, Look at look at it for what it done for you thus far, and use it as a vehicle. Use it as a weapon. Don't don't not. I wouldn't say don't fall in love with anything in life, but fall in love with the process before you fall in love with any idea of what you should do with something. Yes, gotta love the process. Don't don't just trust it and commit. You gotta love it because there's gonna love. be days where you ain't trying to be committed. You have to love this. Love the doubt, love the doubt, love being doubted. Because on your journey, you know, you can't neglect your passion for something and that love for something, right? I love, of course, I wanted to be in the league, right? We all did. But I identified my gifts 
and my love for developing and, and inspiring others through this game. You know, and so we can't neglect it, man. Listen to thyself, listen to the gut, listen to the heart. And man, follow Big Guard. Big Guard. And follow. Just know it's it's more layers to the game than playing the game. And when you truly put the ball down and, and go in the stands and go on the sideline and look, you truly appreciate it. And you you're gonna inspire others to truly appreciate the moment and all the moments of the game. So I'm I'm finally at peace on the sidelines with it. So for a minute, I was like, if I don't turn six feet, I'm going to do this. <laughs> if I don't make it to the league, I'm going to do this to myself. But uh, honestly, being able to see others play it and go, knowing I went through every emotion, you know, you just want to enjoy the game while you can and pretty much know it's more layers to it. It's more you could do in basketball. You could get to the league other ways. You could get you could pro other ways. The marathon continues. It, it continues. And just playing the game limits you in one perspective. You know what I'm saying? If you really want to control the game, you can go far beyond shooting a jump shot. And these are the days of our lives. Thank you for joining the Coach Thyself podcast today. Big guard, huge shout out for joining us today. And uh, uh, we'll tap in with y'all next week. Yeah, man. So peace. Let's go.